With the NBA Finals around the corner, you can bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet up to $1,500 if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus. Bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Welcome back, my friends. What is up? I hope everyone out there had a wonderful January. And I hope February, at least the start of February, is treating you well. You already know my name is Sean O'Shaughty, and I'm joined, of course, by the Prince of Positivity himself, the number one Toronto Raptors fan in the MMA media. My guy, he is Alexander K. Lee. And AK, we are back at it again, my man. Uh, it's a new month. How you feeling? Uh, thank you, Shane. I'm feeling good. It's always it's always feels good to be recording this show with you. Uh, you mentioned, of course, I am the Prince of Positivity. I needed quite a bit of it this past month, and be honest, uh, January did fly by. But uh, for the purpose of this show, and as someone who loves, you know me, I love rankings. I was keeping my my own rankings internal and rankings, math, baby. That's what you love do. Ra- I love rankings, math rules. Rules number one. Hashtag rankings, rules rule. It, hashtag rules rule. Hashtag rankings rule is close behind because I I've been keeping my own rankings for so long. So I always get excited when there's a lot of fluctuation, a lot of dramatic fights, a lot for us to sink our teeth into. We had two UFC events, a Bellator, uh, and a handful of other events around the world. So there, there was a lot of MA action. We we didn't have a lot of uh, notable changes in the rankings, to put it nicely. <laughs> yes. Is that fair to say, Shaheen? Uh, I think that's extremely fair to say. I think that's very much putting it nicely. Uh, you could say that this was the deadest, the most dead month of the history of us doing the show, the history of us doing these ranking cycles just in general for the site. It was a wasteland out there, my man. Usually we have a couple big topics to hit something or another. This month, let me list it for you real quick for the people. Uh, This was basically the entirety of the rankings action that we saw this past month. Ryan Bader shot up to number nine from 14 at heavyweight. Well, Valentin Molodowski dropped down to 13. Very exciting stuff. Uh, Calvin Cater and Giga Chikadze flip spots at eight and 10 at featherweight. And then, uh, of course, Brandon Moreno and Divas of Figueredo flip spots at flyweight in the top two. And that's it. That's all we got. And that's, 
And you, the thing with those changes is what's, what, what makes them not fun to talk about is they just didn't, it's, it was very little of a shakeup because, again, Nganu essentially was number one, defending his number one spot. Uh, Moreno and Figgy just switched positions. And uh, Kader Chikadze also just switched positions. I believe I believe going in, you said uh, Chikadze went up. So he went down to Kader went up to and they, they essentially just traded spots. Nothing. So so we Whole had great fights. We had great fights. We had great fights, fights. W- which could have had implications. Ba- Bader, like we said, the biggest jumper, obviously, because a lot of us were were ready to kind of write him off from heavyweight entirely. Uh, he did. Then he did this interview with Damon. He says, "I'm not going back down to I'm not going back down to light heavyweight," which made it actually even more likely that we're like, "Well, we won't be talking about Bader at all. He's gonna he's probably gonna lose to Moldovsky." Where he said he's not going back to light heavyweight, so a lot of us are gonna take him out of that rankings. He's hanging on by a thread in the heavyweight rankings, and if he loses this again, probably wouldn't be there. Instead. Vaults back into the top ten, so that was the only thing. Otherwise, uh, like we said, uh, that, that you know we didn't get any real, real major shakeups. There's fights we lost. I mean, we had a few fun fights. Uh, some have been rescheduled, some haven't, uh, and those with rankings implications. There was a Cannoneer and Brunson, so that's going to happen this month now. Uh, Viviane Arujo, Alex Grasso, I, I, has not been rescheduled, and uh, we lost a really cool one in, in Movsar Avloyev and uh, Ilya Toporia. I'm at still Featherway. mourning that one. Oh, I'm still and, and, mourning that one so bad. And, and it's not like we would have talked about that one for 10 minutes, but it certainly would we have been. We could have. We could have. But it certainly was a compelling match if we wanted to see. And the result, I think, again, would have moved one of the guys up really far. Movsar, especially if he had won, I think he would have seen a lot of guys in the rankings uh, kind of just from a speculative standpoint saying, man, I'm going to bump him up some of these other more established names because he's undefeated. Taporia is super tough. Um, and Taporia would have jumped up as well, maybe not as much as, as Avloyev. So uh, as you said, Shaheen, there's just, there's just not a lot to discuss uh, thankfully, I, 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 we do have planned a pretty lively uh, second part of the show, but I did want to get your thoughts on a couple of things, Sheen. Um, I, I know I'm sure you've talked about this in, uh, in other things and written about it. First, <laughs> what is your excitement level? We should pay some respect to our biggest mover. What is your excitement level, Shaheen, for Bader, Chip Congo? <laughs> I can't. The rematch. <laughs> the rematch. What is your one on a scale this. of one to let, let's just make it normal one to ten. What's your, with 10 being most excited? <laughs> you can't do this. You were like coming into this. So people, the little inside baseball here, when we're planning this show out, we're, we're going back and forth, throwing ideas out. And AK's like, let's do a whole show about Ryan Bader. And I'm like, I can't, I can't do that for you, man. I just can't get on board with that. Uh, my <clears> excitement <throat> level for that is basically the same as my excitement level for the entire Bell Tour heavyweight division. We'll actually, we'll get into that later in the show, which is probably like a two, maybe, maybe, a, maybe a two and a half. Chuck Congo's involved, so it's, it's always a little weird there. You know, you get some weirdness. Dude's like almost 50. Was he like 46, 44, something like that? Uh, he's, uh, he is up there. Yeah, he, he looks he's incredible. up there. Uh, he looks incredible. If it would have been the Fedor rematch, I would have jumped to like a six or a seven. Yep. Uh, just because that's the retirement fight. It would have been cool to go out on that. But excitement level, very, very low. All right. Uh, let me hit you another quick one. Uh, do, you, uh, do you want the Figgy Moreno, uh, the, the Tetralogy next? Which oh. side are you on that? Oh, Absolutely. I feel like there's, that no be other, next. there's no other option. Like, who, who are you going to well, throw Asker or Asker off? If, if, Kai if one of them swear in there, like, come if on, one man. of them put on a dominant performance, uh, and, and, and let's say we had a lot of rumblings, you know, we know the UFC tends to, you know, uh, Figgy just threw out a number. He just said, I want a million dollars to fight Moreno again. I really don't see him getting that if we're being honest. Uh, if we, if we, if we, you know, as we're in the, in the media, in the know, kind of hear rumblings that, oh man, this negotiation negotiations taking forever. Would you at some point be like, you know what? If Askarov, again, Askarov dominant win over Kaikar France, Kaikar France dominant win over Askarov, would you be like, let's move on? 
is 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 there any any sense that you're like, yeah, I'm I I'm okay with moving on from the tetralogy for now? Sure. I mean, if if it drags on, I wouldn't mind moving on. Um, because at a certain point you got to keep the division moving. It does feel like flyweight is hotter and like more interesting right now than it has been maybe in the entirety of its existence. Uh, like I love DJ as much as anybody, but like mm-hmm. flyweight was not an interesting division for a long time because it felt like we knew what was going to happen. This is totally up. Like we said it on the post fight show, but these dudes have fought three different fights for a lot of rounds at this point, And I have no clue who's the better fighter. Which is fascinating. I can't, there's no parallel really to this in UFC history. So to me, it has to be the fourth fight. Figure this out. It's one, one, one. Really get a definitive answer on it, and then we can move on. And it feels like whoever would win that fourth fight would not, maybe not be a star because it's hard to be a star in that division. But they would be, you know, someone that people would be excited about, and there would be a lot of steam behind that division moving forward. I feel like you got to do that fourth yeah. fight, and it, it does feel like we can wait for again Askarov, Kaikar, France, uh, Alexander Fertoja. Uh, Manel Kopp. Like it does feel like there is a fresh bunch of contenders coming up and that if they can get the Moreno, you know, Figueroa fourth fight sooner rather than later, the rest of the year could be like super exciting for a division like you, like you said, is is hotter than ever. So I, I'm down with that. Like I'm not as locked in on the Tetralogy. I've, I've I enjoyed all three fights, uh, but I'm, I'm a little more open minded. I'm like, you know what? Maybe, maybe it's time for a fresh challenger and if, and if they can and they can hold off on the Tetralogy. But I get it. it you don't want to play around with this stuff too much. Uh, and last one, this is another quick one, uh, Shaheen. Uh, Chikadze, how much does that hurt him in your eyes as far as like him him uh, becoming a contender? Like, do you think he's now that pushes on like two or three fights back? Does he just need one good one to to get back to what people were saying that he could be the number one contender? What, what did you think of that? What happened with Cater? I mean, it was certainly a, a bit of a letdown, right? In particular with how much he was he was talking ahead of time about how he deserves to be in the title picture and, you know, how dare they book this fight without me having this fight already. And we we as a community really definitely wrote off Calvin Cater uh, just as a whole, which I understand really because you haven't seen him in a year. You're, he's coming off that Max Holloway fight where Max Holloway basically sets fire to the record books. And, you know, that's not the best look for you to sort of sit on for a year, but Calvin Cater did the right thing by sitting out that long, really recovering as long as he could. Um, Giga is still seven and one in this division. He still has a killer win over Edson Barboza. Still has you know monster knockouts left and right. Cup Swanson, whatever you want to, whatever you want to call it. it. He feels like he's evolved into being somebody that matters uh, and will continue to matter. But it was pretty apparent that he, you know, he's a striker who just got outstruck pretty thoroughly throughout the course of that fight. Um, and so, yeah, I, I mean, he's not maybe in that conversation. He's probably one or two wins away, but I certainly think he could get back in there, don't you? Yeah, you no, know, definitely. I am the last person to write off contenders quickly. Uh, I know MMA is the ultimate what have you done for me lately business or what haven't you done for me lately, I guess in this case, which which was not overcome uh, another top 10 guy. Uh, but yeah, and, and it was a good fight. He's he's tough as hell. He, he did yeah. get outstruck. Oh, yeah. No question. No question. Clear winner, Calvin Cater. It's not like it was close. Clear winner, Calvin Cater. But look, Calvin Cater learned from the Max Holloway fight. We want to believe that Giga Chikadze can learn from the Calvin Cater fight. Circle of life, right? That's the other thing people always celebrate in MMA. It's the circle of life, right? Uh, that's you know, MMA fans are, are big on that. Sort of. um, <laughs> big but yeah, fans there we go. Big on the circle of life. <laughs> yes. always, look, look, everybody's uh, always talking about I'm, the circle of life. I'm reaching here again. <laughs> but that's pretty much it. Yeah, listen, that's pretty much all there was to talk about in January. I, do, I will tell people... February, fingers crossed. We've got a lot of action, ranked action coming up. Some at heavyweight, but I think the two divisions uh, people are going to want to keep an eye on are middleweight. Of course, we've got the title fight, Adesanya, Whitaker 2. Musasi's got a title defense. Uh, Derek Brunson, Cannoneer, Hermanson, Sean Strickland. So tons of middleweight action. And then at lightweight, 
We got Dariush and Islam Makachev and uh, the Battle of the Hafael. So, Shaheen, I don't think we'll have this problem next month's show, right? Right. No. And ultimately, <laughs> okay. we're we're joking around. It's a good problem to have because now we were it able is. to. We like to say this is a show of the people, so we threw the oh. we threw it out to the people. The call out to the people for the first time uh, on this show. We we you know try to solicit some questions from all y'all, and y'all really just poured it on. We got tons of questions. So hey, why waste any more time? No rankings this month, so let's jump right to the mailbag. All right, now we are live with the crew. You already know. Me and AK, also Jed Mashu, Damon Martin on the line as well. We appreciate you fellas for joining us, uh, especially on such a big week. I mean, Jed, first of all, congratulations on joining the team here. Full-time capacity MMA fighting staff member, man. Uh, it's awesome. We're excited to have you, man. It's, it's weird because you've been on this team for so long. Uh, <laughs> so nothing's changing. Say, I've actually been on this team longer than everyone here if we count if we count your hiatus from MMA fighting. I have one of the longest tenured people at the company, but I'm super excited to be here full-time. It's super exciting, man. Uh, we're going to have to be doing a lot of cool and creative stuff with you. Maybe a podcast or two on the pod feed. Uh, keep an eye out for that. And then Damon, uh, my goodness, man, you're Cincinnati Bengals. They did it. Uh, is this the greatest oh. week in Bengals history? Is this the greatest week in your life? Like, are you just floating on a cloud right now? Like, how you feeling? I just got to say two words. Who day? That's all I got to say. Who day? Yes, I am floating on cloud nine. It took me two days to remove my Joe Burrow shirt. Uh, I am very, <laughs> very excited. I cannot wait for February 13th. Uh, I have never uh experience quite like this excitement because the Bengals have been terrible pretty much my entire life so yeah i'm very excited i don't want to derail this already but can someone explain the who day thing to me because i don't you. get yes it. please i don't understand it's a lot like who dat from uh the saints who i don't like so i just don't get it if you could please explain i actually thought it was the same thing as the saints i'm not gonna lie just now you saying that made me realize it's not the same you know, I can't. I, I actually used to know the exact story how this came from, and I can't remember the exact origins of it. But it was just a chant that started at the, the started the big. This is going to be going on since I want to say the eighties, maybe before that. But yeah, it was just the whole chant was just who they who they who they who they think going to beat them Bengals. I don't really remember. I I used to know as a kid where it actually started uh -huh. at, but uh, but yeah, it's just been something like I because I, I always remember. When Sam Weish was the coach, when Boomer Esiason was the, the quarterback, and we were actually good back in the 80s, uh, and it was just like, that was just the chant, and that was what everyone said, and, you know, it was just part of Bengals lore, I guess. So, uh, I guess maybe it's funny. I say it all the time, and I don't know that I've sat here and researched where it actually came from. Uh, but, yes, it is the it is the chant, and uh, it has been uh, part of our mantra for many years. We really haven't had a big reason to chant it much over the last 31 years, but, uh yeah, very, very excited to chant it now. I was going to say, who do they think is going to beat them Bengals is a really rough chant to have <laughs> for the last, like, 20 years. <laughs> Guys, I, 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 I Googled it. A lot of I Googled people. it. I Googled it. According to a local Fox News affiliate in Cincinnati, uh, it originated from Super Bowl 16 in January 1982 when the Bengals were playing the San Francisco 49ers. There you go. There you go. There you go, the 80s. 
And it does sound like it was a very, it was meant as somewhat as a variation of the Houdat, the New Orleans Saints Houdat chant. So I don't know how much of this is apocryphal. Uh, I, I, I assume it's it's hard to kind of cite Great this word. stuff. Great word. Great uh, word. But uh, that is, uh, uh, it goes as far back as about in 81 or 82. Yeah, that was back in the Sam Weish era when, uh, I'll never forget when I was a kid when he yelled at the, uh, the when the, the fans were throwing snowballs and like batteries onto the field and he got, Sam Weish got on the microphone and said, uh, you got to stop doing this crap. Remember, you're in Cincinnati, not in Cleveland. We don't do that here or something. To, basically shaming Cleveland because, you know, we all hate Cleveland. And uh, so, yeah, it was one of the greatest Bengals moments in history when he shamed uh, the Cincinnati crowd for acting like Cleveland people. I love uh, it. So, yeah. Anytime yeah, Cleveland proud, can take a drive by. It's a good show. It's a good time. Proud, proud, moment, proud moment in Bengals history right there. Uh, well, man, I am excited for you. I, I've been sort of living vicariously through this with you uh, because, I mean, obviously I just went through this with the Phoenix Suns of a, a historically garbage franchise for most of your life just suddenly becoming great all of a sudden. Hold it's on, a, hold it's on. A good time. You, can't co- you cannot compare the struggles of the Suns to the Cincinnati. The, the Suns I would, have been a hold quality on. franchise for like 30 years. I would argue that the Suns last decade is much, much, much worse than the Bengals last decade. Oh, Damon, I don't know. Damon, I, Damon, I, Damon, I mean, maybe. Yes, exactly. We were trash for the last decade. Y'all were making playoffs with Andy Dalton. You just wouldn't do anything with it. Interestingly, both of those are historically uh, frugal franchise owners, too. Wonder, this is true. wonder if there's a, a correlation between not <laughs> hmm. spending money in professional sports and making a good product. UFC, look hmm. at you. <laughs> transition i love it there you go see that's why we bring you on board those type of transitions it's wonderful uh we're here to talk mma not football i although for damon i I hope that you guys do it i really do because i experienced the heartbreak of of almost getting there and i want you to really get the whole the whole process the whole way through but let's take some fan questions uh we mentioned at the beginning there ain't much going on in january at least as it relates to the rankings so we are a show for the people and we're turning to the people right now. So we got a ton of questions. We asked you guys to give us your best uh, rankings questions or even just non-rankings questions, really whatever you want to talk about. Uh, and you guys gave us a ton. And so we're going to try to just bull rush through all of this, get through as many as possible. So let's start here. Let's start with Double Dutch, who comes at us from Twitter. Starting it off spicy, calling us out a bit. He asks, how can Darren Till Ooh. still be ranked number 11? And y'all's rankings when he is one in four in the last four years. Uh, that is a great question. And I'm going to throw it to you first, AK, because you are one of the few people propping Darren Till up in these rankings right now. Am I? Am I? Uh, oh, you know, let's let's bring it up. Let's let, let's when we do this kind of talk, we should bring it up. So I have Till at number nine. Where does everyone else? You have him at nine. Not, Damon has him at 13. I do not have him ranked. <laughs> yeah, you have him at nine. Jed Damon has, has him at 13. Him. I have him at 14. And Jed is just cut bait entirely. All I right, haven't so this, had him ranked for months. I agree with this caller. Great sure. question, sir. His I, name I don't remember. I, I honestly, honestly, I do hate that I still have him in the top 10. But, but. A win over Calvin Gaslam goes a long way for me. I know it wasn't a thrilling, like, dominant victory, but that means a lot. Cal- Calvin is still uh, – oh, he, Jed has also knocked him out of his rankings fairly. <laughs> as, yeah, have I, ask, as have I. I'm about to ask fun. why that win means a lot. Because <laughs> well, I have Gaslam – well, so I have Gaslam still at 10. So for, for perspective's sake, I have him at 10. So he had quality wins at middleweight before going on this, this slump that he's in. Uh, we all remember the fight with Izzy was was a classic. I know it's a, a bit a, a bit of ways ago now. Um, it's just it just I just feel like uh, it says more about I guess how I feel about Gaslam 
like I still think he's a quality middleweight. And because to beat him, I have to put him above Gaslam. Like I, I just can't drop the guys. And and the Whitaker fight I thought was good too. The uh, the Darren Till uh, Robert Whitaker fight. So um, like a clear win for Whitaker. But I thought it was competitive. I think Till had his moments. There was a, a knockdown or at least a near knockdown in there. Um, so it, it's it just speaks to like the, the quality of the guys they fought too. It's hard for me to drop guys down when you're losing to like. Derek Brunson, you're losing to Cannoneer, you're losing to Whitaker. Um, I just cannot drop you down that far. I, I agree something should be said about just straight up winning fights, regardless of your competition, especially if it's at the UFC level or even at the Bellator level. But until he loses to someone like lower ranked than him, um, it's hard for me to drop till that far. So I, I so I know it looks weird. A guy who's uh, one and four, one and three at middle, sorry, two and one at middle, uh, one and two in middle, excuse me, uh, when one and four in his last five. But um, it's just the guys he's lost to. They're good fighters. They're good fighters. How much can I penalize someone for that? The better question is, when has he ever won a fight against somebody who was good? And it has been like a clean win. His best win by far is old Donald Cerrone. <laughs> like that's his best win by a lot. He beat Wonder Boy. Is that his last win yeah. in like 2018? Am I right? Yeah, also yeah, four years ago, basically. And yeah. and beat is a very technical yeah. technical definition of what happened there. Also missed yeah. weight so, by like four pounds. Yeah, I saw this question ahead of time, and I had to look because I was like, "Do I still have him ranked?" And I looked, and I do barely. Uh, and, and here's the thing, my, my, I, again, I'm kind of with AK on it. I'm, he's living vicariously through one win over Kelvin Gaslam. And again, to put that in context, when he beat Kelvin Gaslam, even though that was not a great fight and I think it was a split decision, mm-hmm. Kelvin was one fight removed from, you know, pushing Israel out of Sanya to the limit in a, you know, fight of the year candidate. And at that point, Kelvin Gaslam was ranked, I think at the top five. Uh, in the middleweight division. So mm-hmm. I think that is really what he's living through now. Yes. Kelvin has not looked great in his last few fights. He's whatever one and four, whatever in his last five, something like that. Uh, again, I'm just, I, I, I'm basically dropping him down further and further <laughs> as time goes <laughs> along because that one win is all that matters. The only, re- and this is again, I'm not justifying. I'm just saying, I think the only reason that win matters so much is because of the context of when it happened, which is Calvin being one fight removed from the Israel Adesanya fight, very close fight. And he was like number five at the time or number four in the division. He beat him. And then till went to like number four or whatever it was kind of like crazy at that moment. And then he's just progressively just dropped further and further down. So he's kind of like on the, on the tail end of where he would be ranked anyways. And like, I know Chris Curtis is getting a lot of love right now. And I love Chris Curtis. I think he's phenomenal. His, his story is, is incredible, but you know, as impressive as it is to beat Brendan Allen and, and uh, um, who was the other, when he had uh, Phil Halls, uh, the great wins, impressive wins. I'm just not sure. I would say that's top 15 wins yet, you know? And so, Chris Curtis would probably be the guy on the fringe of me saying I'm going to jump him in there. But I just, again, Till's just living vicariously through one quality win, even if it was like three years ago. And and again, I, I, I want to emphasize it's not just that. It is the fact that I, I, I do not drop fighters that quickly if they lost to quality competition. Especially a, the, the fight with Whitaker was competitive. Brunson obviously is whatever. But hey, Brunson's top five. That's that says how great Brunson is, not necessarily how bad how bad Till is. So th- that's the thing. Is it, 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 it sucks because once you've reached the level, uh, because that win over Gaslam put Till immediately in the top 10. Now he's only facing top 10 guys. Or if he dropped down and was facing lesser competition and racking up wins there, I mean, would that be better than losing fights to like Robert Whitaker and Derek Brunson? I guess. But 
uh, winning again, is better than losing. That <laughs> yeah. is normally how it's viewed. Would, would, would Darren Till be in your top ten if he beat Phil Haas and and uh, I'm sorry, what was the other name Damon and um, uh, uh, the other guy just uh, beat uh, Brendan Allen. Uh, Brendan Allen. Brendan Allen. Would, would, would that put top. Darren Till in your top? Probably not. He'd put in my top fifteen, not my top. 10. I don't think he would be. Like, I I think that you just look like if you guys want to have him at the back end of your thing, like I'm okay with it. I feel the same way about. Uh, I think on my rankings, Weidman is the one who sort of falls under this category. Uh, I'm similar with Gaslam. If you want to argue that there are not 14 or 15 middleweights who would beat Darren Till in a fight, I'm fine with you making the argument. Uh, I don't. I just don't. Nec- I don't think that's true. Um, and in part because I haven't seen him beat people. Like I get what you're saying, AK, and that's how you. That's how you judge your rankings, and I'm, I don't have a real problem with it. Some of them, uh, some under, of them. It depends. I, it depends, yeah. yeah. That's good. You should definitely have your rankings fluctuate from division to division. <laughs> that's consistent. We'll, whoa, we'll, we'll I, deal whoa, with whoa, that later. Whoa, we'll whoa, deal with that later. Oh, later. Oh, well, let's, not, let's not call out the methodology of rankings, buddy. Trust me, you don't want to get into that discussion again because it's one you can't win. So settle down. I mean, we no, don't no, have no. that. Settle we, down. We've done this many settle times. Down. We don't have to redo yeah. it. I don't want to exactly. bog and, us and down because we've got other and, fan questions exactly. to get to. Let's not go after My people's rankings. My point here being uh, you need to win fights for me. And so, like, yeah, if he beat guys who are top 20, 25 middleweights, I would view his career substantially better uh, because – I. I, I want to see you win. Like that's even if it's you know you're facing lower quality of composite competition, like I still value a win over lesser competition more than a loss against better competition. So never fight higher rank competition. Never fight. So never fight high rank competition then. Why? What's I mean, the point then? Look, Sean O'Malley is dead correct in how you should approach the fight game. Fight the lowest guy for the most money, and that's. That is a tried and true way to work. There we go. That says it. Uh, Before things get a little too heated, let's keep it moving. We have plenty to get to, gentlemen. Uh, This next one's coming from Scott, who says, with Paul Daly's retirement now coming, rank your most memorable Semtex fight. Uh, And then he asks, also, uh, is a lifetime ban for Paul Daly the most retroactively crazy overreaction in UFC history, considering everything we've seen since? Uh, well, I mean, I think any any Paul Daly conversation starts with the the Nick Diaz fight. Has I mean, to. I think that's has that's to. That's where uh, the, the the Nick Diaz fight. The great. It's funny. I think it was Jose the other day who tweeted out like it was the greatest one round fight. And oh, was it Jose? Was it you, uh, Shaheen? I tweeted out something about like you newfangled kids have to watch this fight. Like <laughs> it's it's worth. It's like what six minutes to all, it's, start to finish. It's watch coming it. on to its eleven year anniversary in April. Um, uh, yeah, but it's funny. I, when he said that, I thought, didn't that fight go two rounds? And it's like, no, it, it's like it just has enough action for like five rounds. Like it's just the most crazy back and forth fight. And and kind of to go along with the second part of the question, it kind of reminded people why like Paul Daly was because because that that, that uh, uh, suspension or lifetime suspend from the UFC that did a lot of damage to his like reputation. Like that did a lot of like, oh, man, forget this guy. Did a lot of damage know, to his career. For sure. And then when the Nick Diaz fight came around, though, again, even though he lost, it was like, holy crap, like this guy is <laughs> people forgot, like, oh, this is why this guy was so, I mean, highly talked about in the first place and so exciting. And he's really never looked back from that fight. He's I mean, there's been some stinkers since when you have what over 60 fights, you're going to have some bombs in there. Um, but that was great. And then literally 10 years later, the fight with uh, Sabah Hamasi, which was almost, again, a back and forth chaotic fight. So those are the two first two that spring to my mind. Um, but uh, and the second part of the question, I guess we can get in a bit, but I don't know if you guys have any other. Paul Daly moments that are jumping out for you. 
two Paul Daly moments for me. One, just to throw out a, a quick Paul Daly story, I'll never forget when he was fighting in Strike Force uh, here in Columbus on the Misha Tate versus Ronda Rousey card. I was going to interview him that day, and he actually asked me because I was staying. I, I wasn't living in Columbus at the time. I was living in Pittsburgh, and and I was down here for the fights. And he actually asked me if he could use my bathtub to cut weight in because his bath, the <gasps> room that Strike Force, the room that Strike Force booked him in, didn't give him like an actual bathtub. They gave him like a shower, and so he asked to use my bathtub to cut weight. Uh, so that's my favorite Paul, da- Paul favorite Paul Daly story. Uh, as far as knockouts go, hold on, we can't we can't gloss past that. Paul Daly cut weight in your bathtub. No, no, he he asked me to. He actually ended up. They actually ended up switching him around. Sorry, I should. Oh, yeah, he actually asked. Oh. He asked me. He's like, "Hey, could I use your bathroom to cut weight in?" I was like, "Sure." And he's like, "You got a bathtub?" I was like, "Yeah." He's like, "Sure," because we were all staying in the same hotel. And he's like, "Could I use your room?" And then he ended up like he was supposed to come up, and then he called, and he's just like, uh, "We found a we found another room. Thanks for offering." I was like, "Sure, you can cut weight in my room. Why not?" Oh, man. Um, that's anyways. that's just so emblematic of whatever that era of MMA is. It's just so slapdash. Yeah. People just doing things. <laughs> it's nothing's organized. Yeah. Nothing's planned. Everybody just flying yeah, by was, the seat of their pants. I, was, I love it. I was fully prepared for Paul Daly to do his weight cut in my in my bathroom. Uh, the other part of that, as far as knockouts go, there's a lot of them, and I, that's one thing about Paul Daly that you love. But I think my, you know. Two in particular, they're not. I agree. I think the Nick Diaz fight is probably the most memorable. I mean, what a crazy, insane four minutes and 57 seconds that was. But I always remember the Scott Smith knockout, which was one of the most vicious knockouts ever. And that yes. was in Strike Force. And I remember the Martin Campman knockout when he got to the UFC because everyone was kind of high on Martin Campman at that point. And Daly comes in and just obliterates him inside three minutes. And that was just one of the most like stunning knockouts. Uh, maybe not like his highest, like highest rated knockout, but I just always remember him coming in and making like an immediate impact. Yeah. Those were actually both the ones that uh, I think of mainly cause that was the kickstart of, uh, right there at the beginning of his strike force thing. I mean, obviously the Nick Diaz fight is the Nick Diaz fight. It's one of the best fights we've ever seen. Um, but yeah, uh, that, uh, the, the Camden fight, I don't remember as well. Uh, but I have a great deal of respect for Campman's, but so that like that just doesn't jump out at me. But uh, for sure, for sure, Scott Smith, because um, that was disgusting. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then I'll just lead us into the second part of that question. Uh, nope, don't think it was no reaction at all. I think that it was one of the few times the USC got it dead on correct, uh, and the fact that they have since not done good things does not mean that the time that they did the thing correct was wrong. It means that they just continue to fail after the fact. Uh, but you, you can't fight somebody like fight, fight them after really though, after the fight's over. I'm so, I think I, I'm surprised I think that, that, that should be a really that. clear line. I'm surprised to hear you say that just considering like everything that like, obviously what we've seen since we've seen guys do some wild shit and then still end up in the UFC. You don't feel like just if like, if that happens now, Paul, oh, Daly, Paul I, Daly is like in the UFC still, like he, especially if he was oh, where he was, where he's like this exciting action contender. I agree that if this happened now, that it would not be held to the same standard. I think they got it right though. Like that should be the standard because like they should have never tolerated Paul uh, Husumer Paul Harris's nonsense, and like the reality is, is that could have gone much worse. 
And because it didn't, because the result wasn't awful, you know, Kashuk just like laughed it off or whatever it was. Uh, nobody thinks about it horrifically, but like Paul Daly's a hitter. <laughs> and so if he does that after the bell to a, a defenseless person and instead Kostic gets like got got, then nobody's nobody reconsiders this all like, yeah, that dude should be arrested. Uh, and so like his pro the process, I think, totally justifies the the reaction. I don't think that it's what they do today. Uh, I'm still not even entirely sure why they did it then. Uh, because it's not like it was that far out of line with other stuff that that went on at the time. Uh, but I mean, again, I, I will think, say I think all the other stuff's wrong. I think that that's actually the correct way to handle that situation. It did. It. I mean, Damon, you were around back then. It did feel like the UFC was sort of trying to uphold some level of a higher moral standard when it came to those type of things. Like you could get, <laughs> you could get like statements. From what a them, time right? to be alive. You would get like real oh, statements from them if something happened and they would issue a statement about, you know, the thing that happened. And they like they had the, the Miguel Torres thing and like all there was like a bunch of examples from that era of like them trying to put on the good impression to the outside no. world before it, everybody sort of realized like, oh, if you just like ignore stuff like people move on. Yeah, they I, like in the moment, in the moment of doing that, you know, I, I tend to agree with Jed that it's like it was the right move based on the like the egregious action of like punching your opponent after the bell, sucker punching. I mean, let's just call it what it was after the bell fights over you sucker punch him. That's it, a horrific thing. And I had no problem with it. The problem I have with it now. And again, I understand times have changed, whatever. But it's just even with that. You know, it's the UFC's inconsistency with punishing people. You know, like like if that's the case, then Khabib jumping out of the cage and attacking yes. Dylan yeah. Dennis and everyone, like in in that in that context, Khabib's gone. Like he's banned forever. Now we know that's not going to happen. Conor McGregor launching a freaking moving dolly <laughs> at a bus full of fighters, gone forever. That's not the world we live in now. So that's my issue with Paul Daly is that like you know you gave him the death sentence so to speak, and you never let him come back from that. And it what? bums me out because we know how inconsistent they are with these kind of things. It, I, it just would have been cool to, at some point over the last couple of years or five years or whatever, just get him back in here, let him fight Robbie Lawler, let him fight Carlos Condit, do sort of the tour like that, let him fight all the hitters. Like that would have just been fun. Maybe the Nick Diaz rematch. That's all I'm saying. That's We missed out on that. I agree with Damon. I do want to make one very slight defense of Habib, and that's to say that I think it's okay to do that if you're attacking Dylan Dennis. <laughs> Otherwise, totally agree oh. with everything you said. But if Dylan Dennis is the guy, then that's fine. Go for it. Jump out well, of the cage. To, Flight of the Eagle. To be to be clear, and to be clear, I don't think they should have I don't think they should have banned Khabib. I'm not I'm just saying, like, you know, if they're sure, trying yeah. if they're trying to say what Paul Daly did was bad, then how is that not bad as well? And that's the point. No, Khabib shouldn't have been banned and you know, in retrospect, even I overreacted in the moment because I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe he just did this, whatever, you know, whatever in the in the aftermath. But, yeah, if you're going to ban a guy for sucker punching a dude after a fight, how are you not going to do the same thing to a guy who literally jumps over the cage and attacks somebody on the outside? So the UFC is just completely inconsistent with this stuff. And in reality, and, and you're right that, you know, back in the day they tried. Remember when they remember when they find Nate Diaz for making a slur? They tried to the quote oh, unquote totally. find him. They did it to like, like <laughs> Donald Cerrone once too. Yeah. At that point, like, they tried to they tried to enforce that code of conduct policy, and now like it's just completely out the window. Like when you ask about like one guy gets released, uh, who was it that got released for? 
getting arrested like nine times in a week. Uh, 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 Violent Bob Ross. Yeah, Bob Ross, and then you talk about you know John Jones. You bring that up. Wow, and, you Sean, know, being his- that's how you that's how you qualify him. Violent Bob Ross. <laughs> that was his nickname. I forgot his name in the yeah. moment. He put me uh, on the spot. Luis Pena. Yeah, Luis, Luis Pena. Pena. Yeah, and then you bring up John Jones, and you got Dana Hemhall on his way around the conversation. Well, uh, you know, uh, you know, every situation, uh, you know, so. That's the UFC. I mean, we've just come to expect it. It's just the juxtaposition between now and then is so funny to me. One last thing before we move on. Uh, Paul Daly memories. This one's going to just be forgotten about entirely. And it's not even like a fun knockout or anything like that. But I just remember him during the John Fitch fight, basically like appealing to the crowd and appealing to the referee <laughs> and appealing to the broadcast with what everybody was feeling at that moment of like, come on. Why then, is this guy doing this? Right and now? then and then what did he do? And what did Paul Daly do in the very next fight against MVP? <laughs> very right? true very yeah, true right wasn't that the most wasn't that the funniest thing is like i think it was mvp who was it that initiated the wrestling in the fight no it was paul daly, it was yeah, paul paul, daly. Yeah. yeah so that was the, the very yeah, sure. next fight he went to wrestling uh and he lost but uh that was the yeah so that's oh. a two that's a two-parter that's what makes that so hilarious all right um let's keep it moving we're this close to crowning an nba champ and with the action heating up on the court it's even hotter at DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nba Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet, up to 1500 bucks if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire. 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great but together we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. This next question is coming from Dan, uh, and he wants us to get personal. So I don't know that we need oh, to get no. personal, but we can maybe answer it. Uh, what is the single worst ranking of anyone on the staff? The one oh. that bothers you most? And then he says, don't have to name names. Oh, we're going to name names. <laughs> oh, wow. So one immediately jumps out to me, but I'll let you guys go first. 
Uh, well, listen, that, I, that we listen, guys. We talked about this in a previous show when uh, our our beloved Jed K. Mashu Esquire uh, kind of did an overhaul of his rankings. You know, a controversial overhaul, but what one with a, a, an internal logic to it. However, I I still cannot abide by. Actually, you know what? This didn't. This came up in a different way last time. I said Jed has Islam Makhachev ranked as his number one lightweight. Uh, but the justification being that he feels if Islam Makachev and Charles Oliveira fought, that uh, Makachev would win. So I'm like, okay, I don't like that. You know, I feel like a cheat, you know, who you beat should matter. Resume should, when their guys are this close, I feel like resume should matter. But that's fine. Islam Makachev's right up there. And Jed's not alone in this. I think there's a lot of people, if you ask them today. And in fact, I think if betting odds came out for a Makachev-Oliveira fight, I think Makachev would be favored. So like that to me doesn't justify the ranking, but I understand the logic there. But why is Justin Gaethje... Why do you have Justin Gaethje over Charles Oliveira? And also, why is Gaethje over Poirier? So basically, Charles Oliveira being three is like the problem. Yes. No, even actually, even the Poirier thing is even stranger. Why is why is Gaethje over Poirier? So Poirier is four. Why is Gaethje two spots ahead of him? Oh, man, I thought you were going to come at me for a different one that is much more easily (laughs) easy to attack. I might have missed it. I might have missed it. Well, it's pretty simple when you already explained explain my justification i think gaethje beats charles Oliveira if they fight um and i know poirier has the win over gaethje and up until gaethje's lost to Oliveira, i had poirier ahead of of justin gaethje uh-huh. um because i thought that if they rematched that poirier would still win after that fight uh with poirier and Oliveira, i i bumped poirier down Oliveira ended up getting a bump up one one in my rankings as a result of that, but I still think that when they fight later this year, Justin Gaethje will beat Charles Oliveira and become the UFC lightweight champion. Um, I think Justin Gaethje would beat Dustin Poirier in a rematch, um, and you know that's that's it's pretty straightforward. Like I, my rankings are largely defined by how I believe a fight between the two people, you know, people would go. And in this instance, I, I think Gaethje would beat both of those men. If if Oliveira beats Gaethje, is he still number two behind Makachev? It'll depend on how impressive it is. Um, and uh, and Makachev also has Darius. a fight coming up, you yeah. know. Yes. So because you know, uh, I had like I said, I had Oliveira uh, down. Um, behind Poirier and then after that after the Poirier fight the obvious thing to do would just be to move Oliveira up in front of Poirier leave Poirier in front of Gaethje but the context of that fight made me reevaluate how I felt Poirier and Gaethje would match up if they were to fight again Um, and so it's the same thing if Oliveira you know beats beats Gaethje really impressively and it makes me reevaluate how I think he'd do against Islam particularly with Islam having his own fight coming up then I'll readjust but at least at this point in time, like if I have to put twenty bucks down on who's going to win between these guys, I'm I'm backing Islam first and then Gaethje second and then Oliveira. I could totally be wrong, by the way. Like we're going to find out in May. I applaud, Jed. I applaud how much thought you put into this new methodology. Again, it's bold, striking. Uh, some might say insane, but I applaud <laughs> yeah. it. I applaud. I applaud the thought you put into it. I'm just saying it's a lot of work to not just put Charles Oliveira number one. You put in a lot of work to do this. I don't know why. I don't know why, but. <laughs> You have, and because, that's to be commended, I suppose. Because you know, this is how I want to do my rankings. I want to do it by the who I think is or who I think are the hardest fifteen dudes in the world, and this is how I've got it. I'm totally, totally, totally willing to be wrong. It is great. I thought you were going to come at me for Henrietta Ritter in the middleweight rankings, which is a hey, tougher sell for hey, sure. I, I can't just dis- I can't disprove that he's not better than the guys you you ranked him above. How can I say he's not better than Sean Strickland Uriah? I can't prove that. I can't prove you that. Can't. 
Look, he's he's, he's, he's undefeated, division, right? Two division champion, uh, undefeated. How, what he's, can I say? He's he's Dutch, so he can kick and grapple. What more do you need? <laughs> and look, that's fun. And, and let's be real here. Let's 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 be real. That's a fun ranking. I'm not gonna hate on that. That's a fun ranking. Um, Damon, what's what's your one that you just every time you see it, you're like, what the hell? Uh, both, both. Uh, I have two. I'm only gonna mention one particular. Well, I'm gonna mention both, but I'm gonna say one bothers me more than the other. Uh, I have pretty much an issue with everything Jed does at welterweight outside of Kamar Usman at number one. Um, <laughs> because you know Hamza Chamaev number two, Gil- Gilbert Burns number seven. <laughs> Uh, Gilbert Burns know, at seven is really Michael, weird. I'm Michael Page at number twelve. Even that bothers me. Sean Brady ahead of Gilbert Burns. Just yeah, this is a multitude oh, issues. But oh, I, I don't want to put Jed under the firing squad, so I'm going to go another direction. Since we're not going to name you names, can. I'll just it's say the it's the same not. argument. Also, Sean you Brady just did. You, you literally just did. Anyway, <laughs> it's also but, just the but, same but, argument. Sean Brady beats up Gilbert Burns if they fight, so that's why I have him ranked ahead of him. Man, he hasn't accomplished nearly as much for sure. That is absolutely not true. But we go for it. The, the other one I have, and we've brought this up before. I won't name names. Just say it's not somebody on this particular podcast. So has Yaroslav Amosov ranked number two at well. I believe he is a quality welterweight. Uh, he is still, uh, I mean, in terms of unproven, I mean, yes, he beat Douglas Lima. Absolutely. You know, great win, impressive win. But number two over Colby Covington, Gilbert Burns, Edward, you know, Leon Edwards, Bilal Muhammad. I mean, Vicente Luque, I mean, good lord. I mean, I can understand putting him like five, six, seven, maybe, but two ahead of the killers in the UFC. And I I think Amosov is a quality guy, but I think he loses to Colby. I think he loses to Gilbert Burns. I think he loses to uh Vicente Luque. I think he loses to Sean Brady. There you go. There's one I'll give Jed. I think there's a lot of guys in the UFC he would lose to right now. And in terms of accomplishments, he has one quality win. And it was Logan not Starling? the most yeah, Logan's I mean, hard to argue I, with you, that. You want to call Logan's- that a win? Maybe I don't know. I mean, <laughs> you're a big, you're a big NCAA collegiate wrestling guy. That's a that's a four time All American that he beat. Come no, on now. I, I, he, he had technically he does have a win on his record over <laughs> Logan Storley. I don't know if I would call that a win, but he technically does have a win over him. But yes, uh, that's that's why. I just again, nothing against him. I just don't see him being that high. I just don't. I don't see number him two, as the yeah. second number best welterweight in the world. Number two seems very yeah. But this is what I love about the rankings is this unnamed panelist has Amosov number two and uh, Jed has Shemayev number two and the unnamed panelist has Shemayev at number 13. <laughs> also, one other thing on that list on the same on the same person, just to throw it out there, mm-hmm. he has Neil Magny ranked ahead of Vicente Luque, which is beyond head scratching. <laughs> so... So I'm actually going to stick with the same person and I'm going to, you know, because <laughs> oh, AK, no. you know, you know, AK and I talk about this every time because mo- okay. you know, AK and I do the monthly totals every, every month. We have to sort of do mm-hmm, the math mm-hmm. on all this stuff. And so we're just DMing complaints to each other constantly as we do this. And every time that we deal with this, it's just, it sets off another round of ranting between us. Uh, this person has Israel Adesanya ranked as the number oh, eight God. light heavyweight, which, okay, I get it. <laughs> fought close with Jan when Jan was a champ but what what are you doing like Izzy's not a light heavyweight he's not gonna fight again at light heavyweight he has him ranked above Dom Reyes Phil Davis Magomed and Kalaev Anthony Smith like this is just silly that's all that's all I'm gonna say it's just silly 
I want out. I sign well, out. Well, if he's it. using, I'll say this: if he's using, Jed, 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 if he, let's say, this unnamed if panelist, he was, what, he could defend. He could defend right? himself. But. Like, would you? Like, would, wouldn't you? Would you favor Adesanya over Reyes, Anthony Johnson, Phil Davis, uh, Anthony? Oh, Smith? Yeah. Pro- oh, maybe, have, right? I'd, I'd have. He's Adesanya. not a light heavyweight. I don't care. So, None uh, that matters. Yeah, I, I'm he's just not a light heavyweight. This listen, is ridiculous. <laughs> it's just utterly ridiculous. If I was ranking Adesanya two or five, I'd have him pretty high up there. But see, so there. Yeah, sure. If I'm ranking Kamara Usman at welterweight, I'm sure he or at middleweight i'm sure he's gonna beat some guys on my list but he's not at that weight all like right. it's just silly yeah. that's all let's let's not make this airing of grievances episode two <laughs> I'll say uh, at least another uh, 10 months well, for that guys please Jen, i'll close this down yeah. very quickly oh, Jen, yeah go uh, ahead please i'm sorry i'm not going to get into the bantamweight and how almost everybody is wrong with their champion because we've <laughs> done that we've been there done that i will stick with the lightweight and this isn't one panelist this is two three four five of our steam panelists have decided that roush monfio deserves to be ranked oh, and how dare you sir <laughs> come on how I, dare you all how of dare, us all how of dare us. most people thinking that <gasps> arguably winning two fights last year in the PFL and then winning two other fights in the PFL get you into the top 15. Like he very, there's a strong argument. He went two and two last year. Officially. He obviously went four and and won a belt, but, uh, that's the deepest, best weight weight class in the world. You could definitely take issue with some of my rankings there for sure. I'm not here to say that, Everything's correct. I just by the standards with which people on our site rank things, it uh boggles my mind that, that Roush Monfield, I mean, well, by, uh, by your logic, everybody should, has him ranked. By, by your logic, he should be higher than Tony Ferguson. You, you have like Marco Madsen in your top fifteen. Like, how are you Marco coming Madsen at us for Roush Manfield? Because Marco Madsen would tool Roush Manfield up. This is ridiculous. I Again, no, it's the way stand I, for this It's injustice. the way I set my rankings. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Didn't, Tony, didn't wait, Marco Madsen lose to Clay Guida? Just, I'm just throwing that out there. Didn't he actually lose oh, to Clay Guida? Damon with the kill shot. I think there's a really well, good Damon argument. Clay Guida would, I'm pretty sure Clay Guida would beat Roush Manfield. <laughs> Let's not say <laughs> things we don't believe. That's ridiculous. Why is, why is Roush Manfield okay. high? Why, is, Maybe why isn't he higher than Tony Ferguson? Why isn't he higher than Tony Ferguson? Whoa, whoa. I still think Tony Ferguson would beat him up. Okay, but he hasn't won a fight since June 2019. You just told me that winning fights look, matters to you. We just had this. Look, I'm not it, here listen, for the Tony Ferguson slander that's going on right no, now. I'm just this saying. Unnecessary <laughs> and excessive. Has no, Mafia has okay, won four fights. It does, it does matter, but I also have been very clear that the guiding principle behind my rankings is I think this guy would beat the other guys that are beneath him. Like That is the, the core conceit right, behind right. my rankings. <laughs> We're moving on. We don't need to keep having Jed explain his methodology. I feel like the core conceit has changed a bit. But okay. All right. We move on. We were three questions in. We have way too many left to Airing get to. So. More grievances. <laughs> we can't do this show without no, no, no. it devolving into <laughs> arguing. Um, all right. This next one's coming from Dan, who says, which non-UFC fighter do you think doesn't get enough respect, whether that's your guys' rankings or just generally in the MMA space type of rankings? Hausch Menfio. I think it's a <laughs> Next question. <laughs> Uh, I'll, I'll go here. Do you mind if I jump please, in on this please, one? Please, please. And I'll say I'll say it because in the rankings, I'm the only one that has this one right, and it still disappoints me that Adriana Marias is the best oh. flyweight in the world. Now, now, hold on. I understand everyone's going to say, well, he's not, you know, technically not a flyweight. The my weight mouth class is weird. Was already one. open, and my finger was in the air to literally point that out. 
Yeah, I understand that. But if we're going to rank them as flyweights, when you go out there and you demolish Demetrius Johnson the way he did, and I'm talking, you know, knocked him in the middle of next month and did it so impressively, I have a hard time. And again, I like Devison Figueredo. I like Brandon Moreno. I like all the guys in the UFC, but I'm just, I'm not saying that if you have number one, but the fact you wouldn't have the guy like number one or number two at worst when he goes out there and does what he did to Demetrius Johnson. And I think because one, as soon as Demetrius went to one championship, everyone just kind of forgot about all the things he did and to just completely discount what he did to me, just completely demolish him and just completely knock him out the way he did. Uh, it drives me crazy that uh, he, and again, I understand the argument against him is he's technically not fighting at 125 pounds, but if we're going to rank him as a flyweight and we're going to count his win over the greatest flyweight in history and not just beating him, I mean, convincingly knocking him out. Uh, if Henry Cejudo wasn't retired right now, he'd probably still be ranked in the top three at flyweight just because of his one win over Demetrius Johnson. So the fact that Adriana Marias doesn't get a little bit more respect uh, drives me insane. I mean, I mean he's uh, getting respect three for uh, yeah. most of us. Yeah, I have him at three. Not discounting AK that. Had, we all, how, all the rest of us have him at three. Like, Damon, I feel like that's not disrespectful. Damon, how, I don't know if you've seen it. How would you feel knowing that our unnamed panelist has him six? Uh, sorry, has Demetrius Johnson six behind Alex Perez? <laughs> How does that make you feel? Yeah, <laughs> let's not. Let's not. Oh, sorry, sorry that's the last I, question. That was the last question. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, let, yeah. Let's. I, I, I'm not, again. I most people have him like top three, top four, uh-huh. except for you know certain people. Uh, it just, I just, again, to me, one or two. It's it's between him and Figueroa right now. I, I just don't. I, when you go out there and you knock out Demetrius Johnson, uh, I just have a hard time believing that you know if this was if that had happened again, we're going to talk about the weight class. Like, okay, and just put it in the context of this has happened. On a bigger stage, if this had happened in the UFC, if that was Figueredo who knocked out Demetrius Johnson, he you know, and he was still champion, he would be number one forever until he lost. And Marias hasn't lost. He knocked out the greatest featherweight, the greatest flyweight of all time, who is still, you know, very active, very good. I just I have a hard time believing he's not. I have him number one, but I think number two is at worst. I will say, I think one thing I am proud of in regards to these rankings, some, some, there's some things I'm not proud of, certainly with how these rankings have played out. But one thing I am proud of is how much representation we do have outside of the UFC. I feel like we are pretty inclusive. You're welcome. I, I mean, it's, it's everybody across the board. Like, I feel like we are pretty inclusive just uh, for, you know, Bellator, one championship, even KSW, like all those different promotions, uh, PFL. And so I think the, more of on a broader scale, my answer for this would be somebody who doesn't get respect enough, like within the sport, would be two different welterweights. One, Ray Cooper, because Ray mm-hmm. Cooper is out there murking fools. That dude is a destroyer in PFL, and it's just like nobody really watches PFL, but like he is a marauder out there. And I'd be fascinated to see how he would go uh, against a lot of the top welterweights if you just kind of let him off the chain and let him just do whatever he wanted in the UFC. Like, I think he could beat a lot of those guys, and if not, it would be really tough fights. Uh, and then two would be the two division champ out there in KSW, Roberto Soldic. Like, oh. that dude is a monster. And I think I might be the only person who has him ranked on our entire staff at, at Welterweight. No, yes, one other person so. has him at their 15. Like, that's uh, ridiculous. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, no, that dude's amazing. He's gonna come, he's gonna come over to the UFC whenever he wants to come over to the UFC. Like he's just a star over in KSW. He's been they've kept him busy in two divisions. So and, and he might chase a third title. He says he wants to let heavyweight title now. So he's really had no reason to come over to the US. He's probably making he, more money over there. He's probably making more money over there. Yeah. He's probably pretty famous over there. So whenever he decides to come over, he can. But uh yeah, you're right. I mean, he could easily be in the UFC right now fighting ranked guys, and no one would be surprised at all. All right. 
I like him very much. I, I agree with you 100% on Ray Cooper. I think you and I have him ranked the highest of anybody. Uh, I mean, when you go out there and, you know, I mean, Roy McDonald was, you know, not that long ago, he was a top five welterweight to go out there and dominate him the way he mm-hmm. did. And then, you know, the run he's been on, especially this last season, you know, again, I don't, you know, could you imagine the firefight that would be Vicente Luque against Ray Cooper? Oh, I mean, good God. Oh could, God. You, oh. could you imagine, like, just, just start writing bonus checks right now. Tell me <laughs> off. Good God, Damon. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I will show some love to someone who I, I apparently have disrespected, but I was just writing. I was actually just writing Wait about them. Uh, Hold on. As we're doing this, Jed, uh, did you just make a note to yourself to rank Soldic in the next sure ranking did. cycle? <laughs> okay. so, I've seen this on our sheet appear in front of my eyes. No, you're, that's good. That's you're totally right on Soldic. I'm not going to lie. I just absolutely forgot he existed as a human when doing my rankings. Um, and next month I will fix that because he's he would definitely that. beat up many of the people on my rankings, and so he will move into the top ten ish for sure. Next I love month. that. If I, I accomplish nothing else this month, at least I accomplish that. I just completely <laughs> spaced that he existed as a person. Like that, just don't know how. Completely forgot about him. And so he just fought a middle. We're gonna fix to, that. In, in fairness to you, he did just fight. His last fight wasn't one eighty five. In fairness to you, yeah, so might, just, that might have been you know. No, I just totally forgot about him as a person, but going to fix it. So good call, Sean. Uh, Thanks. Let, let me show some love because I have I clearly have not been doing it in the rankings uh, to uh, one champion, uh, uh, Zhang Jingnan, who has been I had to think about it. She's been in our rankings like we've had, her, I think, around 14, 15, I think, ever since we started. Uh, she's been doing re- really well in one. I, I, and I was when I was, I was, I was look, taking a, a deeper look at her record, actually, before the show, she's actually 17 and 0 competing at uh straw weight or whatever uh one's you know definitely uh, kind of 125 pounds but whatever straw weight i think she would fight at 115 if she had to cut to uh cut to actual straw weight if she fought for another promotion so i don't think it's crazy to call her a straw weight uh she's she's 17 0 in her own weight class she has a distant loss to colleen schneider from way 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 back a long time ago at like a catch weight and then she lost to angela hill uh, when she tried to go down to uh, down a weight class and then she, but that was after she had already beaten angela hill so so that loss she's she is one and one um, she's just been really consistent. She hasn't been able to fight a lot. Um, one has had to deal with the COVID restrictions, but she already got a fight in the books this month. I just mentioned her because she's the only ranked strawweight that fought. She beat uh, Miura uh, a couple weeks ago. And if she has it like a, a 3-0 year, she could. I don't know if she'll make the top 10, but it, it certainly we'd have to push her up. Um, regardless of who she's fighting over and one, if people know them or not, she's just been really, really consistent in her weight class and a very strong champion. And I see uh, Shaheen, you have her at 11. Uh, Damon, you've got her at 12. So I should really, again, I'm the one who's disrespecting her here. And uh, so I'll, to make up for it, I'll, I'll show her a little love on the show. A self call out. Yeah. I love it. Had to do it. Uh, let's keep it moving. And speaking of non UFC oh. fighters, what's up? I don't get mine. Oh, Jen. Did you not go? Go for it. I did you, you need it. Ex- you need it. You're, you're the most. I think you're I the most. It's non, extremely yeah. obvious. We've already talked about him. It's, yeah. It's Renee Ritter, man. The man is okay. an accomplished BJJ player and he can kick people. And you guys still have people like Darren Till in your middleweight rankings. Like, come on, give my man some love. <laughs> Till would be a two to one favorite if they were matched up. Well, nah, that's let's not get ridiculous. Yeah, I don't know about that. He might be. Those might be the odds, but I don't know if they'd be good odds. Um, money to be made there. Anyway, let's keep it moving. Non UFC fighters, uh, on this train. This next question is coming from Ian with a question with an exclamation point. I love that. Uh, he writes, if Cole Conrad never retires going way back with this one, Cole Conrad, ex Bellator champion who retired to go do dairy farming or something to that effect. Uh, 
how does this affect the trajectory of the Bellator and possibly UFC heavyweight division? What would his chances have been against the current crop of contenders? If Cole Conrad, if Cole Conrad was still fighting right now, is he Bellator heavyweight champ? Fun fact: Ian asked me this question for hot tweets like two weeks ago. Did you address it? <laughs> no, because I've talked about Cole Conrad probably more than most people in this space oh, yeah, yeah. have. You, well, Over you the always past use five you, years. You always use him as an example of someone who was like smart and walked away from the business and is like ha- living happily. So that's that's I think that's how you bring him up usually, right? He has two. He's great. Two excellent examples. One as the guy who's just like, I'm going to go trade milk futures. And yeah, this yeah. is a way better business plan for my life, <laughs> which absolute hero, total respect. And two, I always use him as Cole Conrad's out there selling milk. And if he just got in a gym for three weeks, he could beat the ass of most people in the UFC's <laughs> heavyweight division because that's absolutely true. And so given that, I'll lead us off and say – uh, yeah, Cole Conrad would probably be the the Bellator heavyweight champion still, um, and that's wow. why he ten year run, ten year run. <laughs> I mean, who would have taken it from him? <laughs> Tell me who is a good Bellator heavyweight champion. I'll wait. You I can mean, go dig into had, the Wikipedia and find. They had like Volkov, Minikov for a second. You know, Chuck Congo could come in there and throw a couple low blows. You never know. Uh, that's just not. <laughs> Look, I, I'm just going to take Cole Conrad. Uh, one, he's got the background that that, oh, was it 2008 Olympic team? It just was unbelievable at MMA. Henry Sudo, Daniel Cormier, Cole Conrad killing it. Uh, and two, you know, if you beat Eric Prendle, you've done it all at heavyweight. There's nobody else that you need to defeat <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Uh I'm joking, obviously, but that's actually kind of true for the Bellator division because there ain't nobody there. This is a complete tangent, but do you guys remember like one of my favorite low key MMA like things that happened that people have totally forgotten about is the Eric Prindle, Tiago Santos thing. Yeah. Do you guys remember this? Yeah, he waited a year for revenge. It's the greatest series in (laughs) Bellator history. It's amazing. If the listeners out there have not seen this series, I'm sure you can't find video of this. Like, maybe you can find video of one of the fights. Eric Prindle and Tiago Santos were just two random Bellator heavyweights when that division was worse than it is now. And the first fight, uh, Tiago Santos hits Eric Prindle in the nuts. And it was a really bad one and it ended up ending the fight. And so then they book a rematch like a year later. And at some point, Tiago Santos is on the ground and Eric Prindle is standing over him. And the referee yells, don't kick him in the nuts or something that effective. Like, don't kick him in the groin. And Eric Prindle unleashes the biggest monster axe kick right onto the nuts. Right. Right onto the nuts of Tiago Santos. And that ended that. That was also. Important to note for those listening, this is not UFC middleweight slash light heavyweight Tiago Santos. It's a different one. It's a big boy. Probably yes. a lot of people who have no idea are like, "Wow, no, no, this is I big monster." This His name was big, big, mo- big monster. His name was Big Monster. Uh, yeah. Big Monster. Yeah. So, so two things for that. One, he, it's the greatest story because they fought a year later. So. In my mind, Prindle was literally waiting, or sorry, almost a year, like 11 months, that whole time, like, I'm going to get him back. I don't care if I win or not. I'm going to get this guy back. And sure enough, he did. And I don't remember, I think it was after the first fight or the second fight, the immediate ad that ran after, this is not a joke, I remember this distinctly, was for Corn Nuts. So this is... Really, this is one of those MMA memories that you cannot, like, it's right, you can't find a video that encapsulates this because you had to have been there and really seen it to understand how bizarre and hilarious 
this quote unquote feud was. And uh, the first ends by no contest. The second one ends by DQ. <laughs> and it is the greatest series in MMA history. I mean, it's my dream. It is no. one of my dream stories to write some sort of feature about this. I've actually done a little we bit. We need of, the trilogy. I've done we a little need bit the of trilogy. Leg, I've yeah, done a little, little bit of legwork. And I talked to both the Jimmy Smith and Sean Wheelock who were commentating. Uh, so I was starting on this feature like a, a year or two ago. And it just never went anywhere because I couldn't find some of these guys. But it's just I, I, I love that this happened. It's such Legendary. an MMA thing. It's such a heavyweight MMA thing. It's just so good. Do you have any Cole to, Conrad thoughts? Yeah. To, yeah. to bring us full circle, yes. Cole Conrad's last win was over Eric Prindle, funny enough. Uh, yeah. I think the only, honestly, Bellator's heavyweight division has been a barren wasteland uh, for <laughs> quite some time. Um, you know, when, when and listen, I, you know, nothing against the guy, but when Chet Congo is your number two guy and he's like 50, uh, I think he's pretty <laughs> much, you know, Talked talk about the quality of the division. Honestly, the only guy that I could see that may have had a chance against Cole Conrad in his prime, if he was a heavyweight, and I mean this seriously, is the current champ, Ryan Bader, only because Ryan Bader is an incredible wrestler. And when you mm -hmm. look at any time Ryan Bader's fought other wrestlers, he's he, 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 and he, and he beats most wrestlers. Now I think Cole Conrad, of course, six foot five monster. Uh, I think he's a better wrestler, but again, Phil Davis was a better wrestler. Bader beat him twice and, and stopped him from ever getting taken down. Uh, so, I give him a puncher's chance just because he can hit hard and he actually does have really good wrestling and Cole Conrad was never more than pretty much a wrestler in there. So he, he would probably have the best chance, but no, I don't think anybody else would. Well, actually this double, this, all of this, this conversation dovetails really nicely into this next question coming from sea level Aldo, who says Bader versus Congo two may be the worst heavyweight title fight on paper in at least a decade. Uh, what can Bellator do to reinvigorate their heavyweight division? And then he throws out a few suggestions, crossover events with KSW PFL, hire a slew of Sengali's wrestlers to develop <laughs> to developmental deals, abandon the division entirely. Jed, this is a very Jed question. I need you to answer this. Oh man. All of those ideas are are spectacular. Uh, one, I think the most obvious and the one that's probably the most palatable is they for sure do just need to do crossover fights. Like they know that their division is bad because they let Brian Bader have two belts and <laughs> not really care about his heavyweight title for the last two years. Um, but you know, doing some crossover fights would be at least some level of interesting. Bader versus um, Pujanowski. Yes. 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 I mean, well, that would that would be incredible. Um, I would watch. I would spend all the money to watch that. Um, and yeah, like that's they need to, in my opinion, they need to not treat heavyweight as a real division because it's not. It's a fake MMA division. Um, there are like ten good heavyweights in the entire world uh, because all the rest of them play football or basketball and make much more money than getting their heads caved in, and so if you don't have any of those people because you're not the UFC, like you're just not, you just got to steer into being weird and doing fun stuff. Um, sure. They could try the developmental deal. I'm not sure how well that sort of thing has worked out for them though. Um, you know, you're saying for all the Senegalese it, wrestlers, Senegal, well for the Senegalese wrestlers, that'd be awesome. But like, you know, they've, they've done a lot of developmental deals with four time all Americans and stuff. And, you know, I, I don't know how much that's paying dividends. It's certainly getting better fighters, but I don't know if that's doing traffic for them. Uh, but for me, I think the one close down to the vision is a great choice. Just do 205 and up. Uh, but if you're going to keep it, 
lean into it being weird. Do a cross-promotion fight with Pujanowski because people will tune in. That's at least interesting. Like The reality is you don't have the best heavyweights in the world and you're not going to sell that lie. So abandon selling that lie. Try to sell that lie at featherweight, at bantamweight, at welterweight. Um, but at heavyweight, just steer into the – yeah, these some big dudes who hit, you know – Kimbo Dada, I say this unironically, is one of my five favorite MMA fights I've ever seen in my life. I've said this a thousand times on pods, but it's the most fun I've ever had at an event by far. Unquestionably one of the five most entertaining fights I've ever watched. And that fight wasn't even remotely close to being anywhere in the neighborhood of a competitive, you know, top tier heavyweight fight. You can put on entertaining things that aren't about having the best in the world and they just need to abandon that because they're never going to have it for heavyweight so have if you can't have the best at least have fun that should be bellator's motto for everything moving forward so the the big meaty men slapping meat philosophy i like it big meaty how, men slapping meat baby how, how have we mentioned has said sing, single and these wrestlers so many times at not mentioned rook rook bring in rook rook all right that is what well, we i Listen, I know he's under when one. When we say Senegalese wrestlers, okay. that's what we mean. Yes, right. He's synonymous. He is synonymous. Can you, right, name, right. can you name other Senegalese I wrestlers, AK? I, I mean, I was going to throw out something fake and like no one would know, but I realized that'd be pretty, that'd be pretty crass. So I'm not going to be fair. To, to be fair, real quick, uh, you know, when you talk about heavyweight, like, yes, Ryan Bader, Chet Congo is not a great fight, but at least you know who Ryan Bader is. Try to name. Mm-hmm. There's been, there have been, I think, three heavyweight champions in PFL. Can you name any of them? Because I can't. Philippe Lins. Oh, uh, Excuse me. Philippe Lins. The current. The, cur- yeah, I, the current. I could have done Lins. Yeah. Yeah. What's his What's his record in UFC right now? Uh, oh, and then. Oh, uh, oh God. What's I think his last like guy? Three. And then, uh, and then wow. you look at you know, and I, listen, I like him very much. Actually, I've talked to him, interviewed him. Super nice guy, Arjun Buller, the current one championship heavyweight champion. He was, you know, three and one in the UFC. Left as a free agent. I don't think anyone looked at him and said, "Man, this guy's going to threaten Ngannou one day." Uh, you know, so the reality is, heavyweight. Excuse me, sir. <laughs> Excuse me, sir. Oh, no. That now is my it. number 11 ranked heavyweight in the world right <laughs> there. Thank it. you very much. Now you done it, David. The <laughs> point is, heavyweight is not deep anywhere. So, you know, while yeah. Bader and Chet Congo is not a great fight, uh, Bader at least has some name value and, and has, you know, he did knock out Fedor in like 30 seconds and, you know, mauled Matt Mishra. So, again, there's no fix because there's no fix anywhere. You can't name any heavyweights that are worthwhile out any organ- in any organization. Well, so that's the thing, and that's the last point on this is I I know you can't fix that division, but at least you can make temporary stop gaps, and I do kind of wish that they would have done Bader Fedor 2 in Russia. 100%. Oh, no. For 100%. the title fight, because that's going to be yep. Fedor's last fight. You give him yeah. a chance to sort of walk away in Russia. Maybe he wins the title. Maybe he doesn't. But like either way, like if that's he, really fun. If he wins, no. if he wins, then they just retire the Bellator heavyweight division. That'd there be you, a way to go. There you go. I'm all on board with them making that fight, but they got to go old school pride. They have to tell Ryan Bader like the day before (laughs) they have to, they have to give him food poisoning. They can't let him fight clean because you set that up to do exactly what Damon said. You set it up. Bader's not smart enough to know to take a dive, so he will just go win again. And that's what you don't want. You want Fader to win, then you retire the division. Everything's perfect and magical. And so do that, but do it the right way, the pride way. I love it. <laughs> Last two questions here, and then we'll get out of here. Uh, let's do these rapid fire, gentlemen. This one coming from Ari Gilberg, who says, if you had to make a ranking of the top three most entertaining fighters currently active, 
who's in your top three. And let's go ahead and disclude Justin Gaethje because that's just like oh, the given. Bollocks. I mean, number, number one. Yeah, obviously he's absolutely. number one. So top three, not Justin Gaethje. Yeah, uh, most the, the Justin Gaethje All Stars is what we'll call it. All right, I'll go first. Yeah, I, actually, go ahead, I actually wrote these. I actually wrote these down because I saw this question. I want to make sure to actually think about it ahead of time. Uh, beyond Justin Gaethje, of course, I'll go Vicente Luque. Yes. Yuri Prohashka and Charles Oliveira. Love it. I actually have two of the same. I have Francis Ngannou, Yuri Prohashka, and Charles Oliveira. Man, Francis, I can't agree. After this most recent fight, there was, was I was a good enthralled. Fight. I, I was enthralled uh, by that fight. Is that a fight you want to rewatch? No, but that's also the first snoozer he's had in a while. And like, it just in terms of most entertaining, like there's no, there are a few people out there who to me is as entertaining I mean, as that gigantic man. You're, you're normally going to get better from him. That's certainly true. Uh, I think the most obvious one, I, I, I love both of your answers uh, largely. Give me a Yui Prohoshka is awesome. I'll take him for sure. Um, and then I'm Charles Oliveira. That man has been, absolute nails and the most obvious one that people are probably going to look past uh conor mcgregor there's a lot of reasons conor's famous and one of them is that he has been in one boring fight in his entire life and it was when he blew out his knee against max holloway that that dude is a hitter that is a great call totally forgot he existed Uh, i kind of cheated i have four names i have four names in my top three i kind of cheated uh chris barnett beast boy listen it's we're just beginning i know that was his first ufc win but he's been entertaining people for a long time. I'm just happy he finally got to do it in friggin' Madison Square Garden in the UFC. Just pure love with that guy. Uh, Jessica Andrade just has that like, you know, any, any a fight could end at any time appeal. Um, and the fact that like, you know, of all the women, she probably has that the most. I think it makes her special. And I kind of and I went with two names for my third spot. Uh, Jed, you'll appreciate it. Because we're this. missing one bad. Well, well, I, I, it's probably not the name you're thinking of because I want to go with uh, the team of bank and no money. The uh, the Siamese uh, fighting. Oh I don't know what they call it. Are they? What, what, oh, uh, no, the uh, not Siamese. I hate what are they, that what are they, beat me. What do they call it in fight circus? They call it uh, uh, the the, uh, the asymmetrical. asymmetrical yeah. The asymmetrical, asymmetrical now they, champions. They did lose, regrettably, the asymmetrical title to Will Chope last time. But I mean, listen, in my heart, they are still the best two on one, undefeated two on one fighters out there. They will bounce back when Fight Circus comes back this year. So uh, banking no money if you're out there. I don't know what your background is, and they always say they're both like break dancers or something. Yes. Whatever. You guys put on a hell of a show every time you get in there. So that's my take. I'm changing my answer because we can't be considered an MMA podcast for what we've done. Uh, I'll remove Yuri Prohashka and Max Holloway for sure should be on somebody's list. Good. Sure. Sure. Also, one low key one that I knew nobody was going to mention, but kind of actually works. Paulo Costa. Yeah, dude is for sure bangers. Mm -hmm. Like that dude is not in a boring fight. All gas, no brakes, and a hell of a chin. That because. That's the textbook action guy. Yeah. Uh, also, AJ McKee. Want to throw some some non UFC in there? Uh, last one, gentlemen. It's been a lot of fun. And again, thank you everyone for your questions. Uh, sorry if we couldn't hit all of them, but you know we're a little long winded sometimes. Let's end on a high note. This one's coming from Chris, and he wants to know what is your one most anticipated fight currently booked in 2022. I'm I'm just gonna steal it because I Go want ahead. to get this one out. It's it's Justin Gaethje, Charles Oliveira. Um, Has to be. We we all just established that Charles Oliveira is one of the five most exciting fighters currently going, and we unanimously agree that Justin Gaethje is the most exciting fighter that's ever lived. Uh, on the merits, that fight is going to be unbelievable. Uh, and I, Justin Gaethje, 
like I said, I just think he's the most exciting fighter that has ever walked the face of the earth. Um, he could fight anybody, and it'll be great, but he's going to fight another guy who can match him in bonuses and excitement and energy for the most prestigious belt in the world, the UFC lightweight title. That's that's the stuff, man. They, it don't get no... The only fight I would rather see other than that is Gaethje versus McGregor for the same stakes, which maybe we'll get down the line, but this is... This is as good as it gets. Yeah, I'll I'll say, and I, you're right. I mean, Jared, that's 100% the fight. I mean, come on, let's just be honest. But if we go outside of that, I'm actually going to pick another lightweight fight that I am just incredibly intrigued by, and that is uh, Benil Dariush and Islam Makachev. Yes. I think that is a fascinating matchup. Makachev, a mauler on the ground, but Benil Dariush <laughs> is an incredible jiu-jitsu stylist. And Benil, you know, there's another guy. You could, you know, quietly put him on that most exciting fighter list. I mean, that guy's been a highlight reel the last couple of years, you know, putting on a lot of bonus fights and uh knockout power too, which is something that you know is interesting. And I think this is by far, you know, Islam's biggest step up in competition. No offense whatsoever to Dan Hooker, but Dan Hooker's never been known for having much of a ground game. And here you got, you know, Benil, who's a legit, you know, Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, legit nasty grappler on the ground. So I'm just utterly fascinated by that fight. And hopefully the winner will move on to fight the winner of uh Gaethje and Oliveira. Yeah. Uh uh, again, I mean, if it's just based on quality of uh, and and the quality of the talent level, that is for sure number one. But I am really, really fascinated by the Covington uh, Masvidal fight. That's that's scheduled, right? That's booked, scheduled. Yeah, no, that's yeah. headlining. Yep. I am really. I one. Thank God they didn't book them as uh, coaches on the Ultimate Fighter and waste our mother effing time uh, with whatever ten, six weeks of filming and then the two months of the show. Like God, thank you, some whoever had the good sense. To just say, let's just book the fight and not waste our time with that crap. Thank goodness. Now, the I don't more know how you're going to have to watch Juliana Pena do it, AK, because you're going to be the person who watches <laughs> Look, it. I know. Hey, listen, lone, I watch the lone. Here's, here's the thing is, I watch every season anyway. I'm telling you right now, Covington, Masvidal, Nunez, Pena, it doesn't freaking matter. Uh, but I don't know how real their feud is. I still think that Covington and Masvidal, that there is some behind this. I still think they have, there was some planning to make this feud, you know, become what it did. I have people who are a lot smarter than me and who are closer to the situation than me have told me like, no, it's very legit. Like they hate each other. I, you know, I come from the pro wrestling world. I still, I still think there's some, uh, there's some backstage booking going on, but regardless whether it's real or not, I'm into the storyline. And I think that it's one of those fights that is just so tense for as long as it lasts. Like it's, it's a main event, right? So a five rounder, I'm going to be on the edge of my seat. I don't know how good the fight will be, but I will be very, very like tuned into that one. All great picks. I think all of them, like, the honestly, the slate coming up is just, it's really good. Like, the big, big fights coming up is about as good as you could ask for if you're an MMA fan. One more I'll throw in there because I echo everything you guys have said. Uh, this is a fight that a year ago I wouldn't have been that interested in. And it's in particular, like, two years ago I wouldn't have been that interested in. But now it feels like we've the UFC did the rare thing where they let it marinate. They gave it some time and it feels like it's kind of at the right time, right place. Izzy Whitaker, too, to me, is like really, really interesting now to where it wouldn't have been that interesting if they would have done an immediate rematch. It wouldn't have been that interesting if they would have just done it like giving Rob one fight and then kind of like get done, run it back at this point. It's really fascinating to me. We've seen Rob sort of just talk about how he's acknowledged, you know, like Izzy was in my head, like all of this, the other factors lead into this affected me. I fought like an idiot, like all these different things. Like I am, Rob has sold me with his performances and with the way he has talked about that fight on just the idea that this could maybe be something different and maybe it's not, but the, the, the question that that being out there, that to me, I love, I can't wait for that fight, man. That's going to be good. 
Yeah, I really like that matchup too, and I think it's uh, you know Whitaker was completely not himself in the first one. You know, completely not a Robert Whitaker performance. So I'm fascinated by how he's going to approach this, and I think this is a big fight for for Israel as well, considering you know he lost to Jan, didn't have like the most exhilarating performance against you know uh, Marvin Vittori. Can he come out and you know kind of put on that classic dominant Izzy performance again? I think this is uh, and let's be honest, I you know I love Derek Brunson, I love Jared Cannonier, Jack Hermanson, all the people, but. I mean, Robert Whitaker is far and away the second best middleweight in the sport. And so this is really the classic, like, number one versus two matchup. Letting it I wrote about this for this. I wrote, wrote about this for the site uh, either last week or the week before. I'm way more interested in this fight than I was in their first fight. I, I was extremely confident that Izzy would uh, just rinse Whitaker uh, in their first bout, and then it went basically exactly how I looked. Um, but uh, Whitaker showed me a lot. I think that all of the stuff you guys have said about Whitaker not being a good headspace is true. Um, we've seen Izzy look more beatable. I I am really interested in this. I was not all that interested the first time around. So uh, I'm with you. Good choice. Also, if Israel wins, if Israel wins, does Stone Cold's music hit and Alex Pereira run to the cage afterwards? <laughs> is that like we're waiting for like stone cold stone cold can we just get more of that in general like why is that not a thing run-ins entrances like that come on let's have some fun here uh also i will say just throwing in the real quick before we get out of here if gilbert burns of his cams at shamaya is the moment that's booked (sighs) that might shoot to number one for me above all of this other than gaichi Oliveira, just because i'm so fascinated to see how far this can go uh but anyway Straight to the top, baby. That's how far Hamza train. Get on board. You don't have, Jed. You don't have. You don't have him at the top. You should. And Not you should. right now. You Not should right have him because I think no. Because if they fought tomorrow, I'd still pick Usman over him. But yeah. by December, Usman's a little bit older than he's got. You know, got a little bit more money. I don't know, Jed. We'll Jed, we'll I want you. I, I want you when you feel like Shemaev is ready. I want you to just put him number one. Like even even if Usman oh, or Shemaev, like just just randomly, I want people to be like, "Whoa, what the? Why did why does like just in the middle of the summer? Like it's like it's like after let's say he fought Gilbert Burns. It's like two months after the Gilbert Burns fight. I want you to just be like, you know what? I feel like t- today's the day. I woke up and I think he beat Usman. <laughs> Look, he's he's putting out a lot of training videos. You know, if mm-hmm. I see something in there that's making me feel feel oh. some type of way, I might just go ahead and pull the trigger on it. Educ- that's educated. That's an educated pick. Uh, anyway thank you gentlemen for joining us uh, and thank you everyone again for all your wonderful questions amazing Uh, questions amazing it was a dead month for rankings so we appreciate you guys helping us out Uh, Damon it was not a dead month the best heavyweight in the world lost Cyril gone he lost all right enough of that Enough of this. What are we talking about? Uh, Damon, I wish nothing but the best for you, man. In, in What is it, like two weeks at this point? Yep, February, uh, February 13th, baby, 6.30 p.m. on the East Coast. Dude, I hope you guys can get it done. I imagine your stress levels up to that up to that day is gonna are just going to be out of control. Uh, so hopefully you can have a relaxing couple weeks here and have a fun uh, Sunday night in a couple weeks. And Jed... Once again, welcome aboard, man. I'm glad you're finally on here full time. Uh, we can't wait to keep using you in more capacities. Get this, get the podcast running, get the shows going. It's gonna be fun. Uh, and hey, Damon, Jen, thanks for joining us. That man is Alexander K. Lee. I am Sean O'Shadi. Keep it locked, everyone. To MMA fighting as we continue to bring you the kind of coverage you've come to expect and love from this website. Uh, this has been the MMA Fighting Ranking Show. We'll be back again next month. See ya.
With the NBA Finals around the corner, you can bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet up to $1,500 if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this podcast came from SAS. Data is everything. And now everything is data, which means more to process, more to analyze. And now more than ever, speed to answers matters. So how do you produce those answers as fast as the world produces data? With SAS VIA, the quickest way from a billion points of data to a point of view. It's a more productive data and AI platform that helps you get more done. Learn more today at sas.com slash VIYA.